Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International, episode 222, and I'm your host, Juro Sen, and this is Ben Kimber, as usual. G'day, Good. Ben. G'day, Juro. How are you, mate? Good. I know you're under the weather. You okay? I'm okay. All right. Ready to talk rugby. Two rugby championship games of the weekend, South Africa and the All Blacks victorious. I guess we don't have to say that. It goes without saying with the All Blacks. Uh, but Ben, uh, busy on the comment sections on the threads through Facebook and YouTube, Let's not mess around. Let's go straight to the strike issue of the week. Strike issue of the week, of course. Our great sponsor, Strike. Um, Who the, are uh, phone cradles, by the way, for cars, if you didn't right. know. The, the issue of the week, and it actually will tie into the comment of the week, which I'll bring up later. But the issue of the week for me is the Wallabies pack and the Wallabies attitude. I'm a little concerned at what I heard after the game, and I'm very concerned about what I saw in the game. All right, so... They did talk themselves up a bit about their uh, their sort of midfield attack uh, and the ability to create create things, but they can't finish. But in the end, they didn't win the test match. So what's your big concern there? My big concern, mate, was it was a very pedestrian Springboks outfit. It was a very pedestrian game. And coming out of that game, um, I looked at the Wallabies pack performance in particular and I saw some comments from other uh, commentators who I respect, such as Paul Cully, who I think I've said before is one of the guys I think reads the game very well. The Wallabies pack did not engage in that game the way you need to in any way, shape or form if you're going to compete consistently at international rugby level. The, the, the pack, to me, the way that they approached the, broke down, the breakdown a lot was uh, they looked uh, that they were submitting into the tackle. And that's an interesting word because I was thinking that word and it came, it'll come in our viewer comments later. Right, yeah. But it looked like the way they were hitting the line and the way they were hitting it up, they were all so ready to hit the ground and, and set a quick ball, yeah. which just meant they didn't engage in the ruck. And I think the other thing that was interesting about that, uh, particularly in terms of some of the comments that we get from our, our users a lot, is there's a lot of complaints around the Australian commentators being very biased. Uh, for this game in South Africa, they actually had Timmy Horn and Stephen Hoyles over there, mm -hmm. I think are two of the guys who are uh, more more uh, fair, if you will. Yep. Uh, and both of them made very pointed comments in the middle of the game around the performance of the pack, and particularly their support of each other and, the, and the, the sets of three they were using to approach the breakdowns and how it just wasn't working. Yeah, I think they tried to play an upskilled forwards game and we know that uh, you know they're trying really hard, but they certainly have the haven't got the skills of the Australian backs, as we all know, who are very talented. But I, I don't know if Australia's playing a game up front that they, they're they sort of overreaching themselves. But the fact that they created a few opportunities and. I think Michael Hooper said, yeah, they got there, but probably rushed it a bit. I mean, it's, it, it should be over that stage now. They should be ready to balance themselves, settle down and realise, OK, we're in this position. So, you know, they're playing a South African team who I still believe will be a good side. Uh, early days yet, because they're going through a generational change. But they needed Mornay Snane there to uh, settle everything down with his boot. Just unstoppable at Loftus. But Australia rushing to get the job done. And if you rush and panic and don't use that old head, then you're not going to succeed against a side like the, the uh, Springboks. Yeah, and, and particularly I think we spoke a couple of weeks ago and said that we thought that the way forward for South Africa um, was most likely to go back, mm. go back to more of a kicking game, the structured forward play, and they did do that. Uh, their attack didn't go a lot of places, but, you know, Mornay staying at 10, you're not going to see the most inventive attack. I thought they might put Pat, Pat Lambie there. He came in at fullback. Yep. Um, staying a couple of nice chick kicks, etc. but really not a lot of action on the ball that was going to trouble the, the Wallabies' defence too much. Now, that said, I don't want to just hammer the Wallabies because 
They've did, they did it again. They started really well. We saw some things we haven't seen for a while. We saw Scott Seo carrying the ball. Scott Seo scoring a try off a Kepu pass. Mm. A bit like the All Blacks, a bit of forward movement yeah. of the ball, and we, we had the man go over. Um, we, saw, we saw some reasonable play. Michael Hooper played his heart out again. Yeah. And Sean McMahon. Now, we talked about Sean McMahon last yes. week. He, he came in at number eight. He had an excellent 40 minutes, uh, probably 35 minutes or right before he did his ankle. And he was really, really missed in that second half. So injury forcing a change there. And Leroy Houston coming into the squad. We know him well from his club days at uh, Eastwood at the Waratahs. He had an issue where we actually went missing for a while. One of our uh, matches in Queensland uh, when we were going on tour, I was media manager at the time. But he's been playing his trade overseas and now coming back to Queensland uh, again. Uh, Todd Ikefu had some interesting comments to make about the Australian number eight situation. He did, he did. And, uh, and I was with you on that tour when the Leroy, yeah. Leroy Houston went missing and it was the first use, I believe, of the Houston We Have a Problem headline. Yes, Which yes. I think everyone's wheeling out. Probably they'll do it again as soon as he's back in there. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting time for him. Uh, nice to see him back in there, but, but Kefu, uh, God bless him. We talked about his honesty last week. He had a real t- a chat around it this week. You know, he talked about Lepetti Tamani's, Tamani's got to be the number eight for the Wallabies in McMahon's absence. Um, he actually talked about Higginbotham as a guy that he yeah. thought was, was a missed opportunity for Australia to develop. You know what? I player. agree with him. Yeah. I agree with him. One of, our pl- one of our commentators actually brought that up with me too and asked where he was. Uh, but he gave McCowan a bit of a serve too. He said, uh, you know, if not Tamani, uh, without a Higginbotham, you've got McCowan, who's the best of a bad bunch. I think he's right. Yeah, I think he is right. I think he's right, mate. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I think uh, if you go back, we talk about our coaching systems. You know, what are they adding? You know, and uh, coaching in Australia tends to be uh, check-in, check-out sort of thing. You know, yeah, you buy the numbers, whatever else. Whereas you look at um, places like New Zealand, it's, it's a real holistic sort of approach. The care for the player at all times. But with the coaching of Australian players, and I've seen David Lyons doing some stuff for the media, one of the greatest, most gifted natural players of all time, but no one could teach him to pass the ball. You know, if he could offload, David Lyons was a totally different player, but never really had that in his game. So, and I, I seriously questioned the coaches that he coached, played under, why they weren't able to do that. Now, same with Higginbotham, amazing natural talent. He's a guy who out-sprinted, if you remember in Brisbane a few years back, the fastest backs in the world from South Africa. And he could still play at the back of the scrum. He also put on weight at uh, university by drinking beer. So he's a legend of the game in that regard. But he's at rough edges. He's an abrasive style. And I know all our Kiwi uh, listeners and viewers uh, hate some of our abrasive players, but it's a love-hate relationship. They actually love to see them play. And he's one of those. So I I think Torai Kefu... He's bang on again, and his honesty is so refreshing, and it's good to see. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about that back row, and particularly McMahon, because it, it brought to mind a story from a couple of weeks back. Mm. Now, when McMahon went out there, and I said before, he's one of those guys who's a bit of a crazy guy because we love him, right? Yes. But the effort is unchallengeable, right? The effort is fantastic. He gets absolutely stuck in, plays above his weight, and goes hard all day. Um, and it made me think of a story that Peter Fitzsimons, a former colleague of mine at the Herald and a former Wallaby, he wrote a few weeks back where Eddie Jones was in town. We talk a lot about Eddie, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, Eddie Jones was in town, and and, uh, and Fitzy recounted going to see a Western Force lunch 10 years ago uh, in Perth where a coach stood up, and he didn't name the super coach, but we could probably have a crack at who it might have been, who talked about uh, the amount of 
the, the way that stats now influence a game. They said, you know, if we, if we know if we keep Richie McCaw to a certain number of possessions a game or below a certain number, we'll win. If he gets above it, we'll lose. And throughout out all these numbers, and he said he was just totally confused. And then he went to a lunch when Eddie Jones was in town. I think it was at Hunters Hill Rugby Club. And Eddie Jones came out and said, there's two stats that we care about. I'm not a stats coach. There's two stats I care about. How fast a player gets up off the ground and gets back in defence and how fast a player gets up off the ground and gets back in attack. And if you want to see that, uh, check out McMahon in about the ninth minute of the Wallabies game, who just shut down a, a Springbok attack all by himself. Or check out the game of Patrick Tuapoloto um, for the All Blacks, particularly that tackle on Sanchez, which was a bit unlucky, mm. um, the way that he got pulled for a, a dangerous tackle for that. But a couple of guys there, that we're seeing a lot of that in the All Blacks pack, and we're not seeing a lot of it in the Wallaby pack. And I think McMahon really embodied that for me. It's the repeat performance, Ben, and it's the time period between that. One of the uh, funniest things I've ever seen, and Coach Bob Dwyer it was hilarious, uh, when Rocky Olsen was starting out with the Waratahs, mm. he had no way of managing his performance on the field. And uh, I don't mean skill-wise, this is energy-wise. He would play at 2,000% straight away, and he'd collapse on the field like he was dead. <laughs> and then... Miraculously, after a couple of minutes rest, he'd get back up and do it all again. So, but he had no way of managing uh, the way he played the game because he just played a thousand miles an hour. There was a bit of rugby league in him about that, getting up and uh, getting in the line again, that sort of stuff. So, being able to do that, like Sean McMahon, is absolutely valuable for Australia, and you can't afford to have any bludgers there. And because in this game, because the way that Australia has to compete against other forward packs is a little bit different and they need to be very mobile and that means get, getting uh, in action again. The point you made about basically taking the tackle uh, is an interesting one because mm. it would horrify the great Alan Jones who can't stand people uh, off their feet uh, and uh, and the way that Australia wants to play, it's almost a rugby league style, isn't it, Ben? Yep, yep. You know, just take the tackle, keep going and, and avoid the contest. So uh, that, to me... Is, is can be a valid strategy, but if you look at the rugby championship, Ben, I don't know if that's that's a solid way to go. It certainly didn't win the game for him at the weekend, did it? Yeah, I mean, and I really saw that difference between you know some of the guys uh, in that AB side, and I'll call out Tupelo too, and I'll call out uh, Artie Sevilla, who carried the ball hard. Like, and when they when they took the mm. ball up, they weren't going to go down, and particularly in that second half for the Wallabies versus the Box, you know, a, a lot of those forwards trucking the ball up and just hitting the line, and not just not low body height like the great Dave Brockhoff used to talk about, <laughs> former Wallabies yes. Bledisloe coach. The only Wallabies Bledisloe coach has ever done a lap around the New Zealand ground carrying the Bledisloe Cup no, he's a long time guy. ago. Um, but, you know, he loved low body height, but yeah. it's not just low body height. They are conceding. They, they look like they're coming in and they're hitting the deck mm. and setting, and that gave uh, the box a great chance to get on the ball and to, and to dominate that ruck, and they mm. did dominate that ruck across the park. Yeah, so what did you think about the fact that... Uh, uh, the South African team won, but it was all through the boot of Mornay Stain. Uh, I don't think they care so much. Uh, just reading some of the comments out of South Africa, they don't think their team's that good either. Uh, but the fact that they managed to beat an Australian side, who they believe is even worse, mm. is a little bit of a, a boost to their egos. Well, look, and, and so it should be. Well, a win's a win's a win. Yeah. Like This was Australia in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago uh, when they knocked over the box and they were feeling good. Um, 18 to 10 down to the Springboks and I think they really felt keenly that sense of history as well they've mm. never won at altitude there at Loftus Versefield they had a chance to do it because it was a tight game all the way through but neither team really grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck 
But for but I think for Checker and I saw Quade Cooper back up Checker's comments and say that's the best we've played all year. That that left a bad taste in my mouth. We're talking about a game where we saw exactly the same issues we've had all year. Line out, we lost two or three or four on our own throw. Scrum was under significant pressure for a lot of that game. We got done in the ruck. We saw a charge down. We saw a yellow card. The ill-discipline. We saw Stephen Moore not getting his time with the referee. All the things that we're talking about as issues are still there. If that has snuck that game, and as yeah. much as I enjoy the fact that Reese Hodge can kick at 60 metres, I was a bit disappointed by seeing him teed up from 63 out. Yeah. Um, they were looking for a psychological blow. And I don't think this Wallaby side needs to make psychological blows with 63-meter penalties. It needs to make it with a physical game that gets them down the other end. Yeah, but one of the really important things, and it's been exciting to watch, I just wish everyone went with him, is the form of Will Genia. Mm. I just think he's been brilliant. Yep. Genia, outstanding, yeah. and really has. He's been, he's been the linchpin in the side, and if anything's working, it is Will Genia. And to not get stuck on the negatives, Dane Hale at Petty had a great game. Yeah. And I saw Cameron Shepard debut on... Um, uh, the other rugby show this week, a uh, great former Wallaby. Uh, it was good to see him on, good on TV, really good fella. Um, and he's been saying this for a couple of weeks. I think I saw it on Rugby 362. He's been saying, hey, look, Petty, stick him at fullback. He's got a better kicking game than Falau. And Falau on the wing. And well, he wants Falau on the wing. I'd prefer Falau at 13. Yeah. But I think what he's saying is, if you're going to have them both in the team, hey, look, Petty's probably going to be a better fullback and get Falau closer to the ball. Well, go back to a couple of weeks ago when we had the great uh, uh, Brett Papworth in. He suggested kicking to... Uh, Israel Folau all day. Now, whether that was outside centre or, or, or further out to the wing is debatable, but if he's on the wing, that's where you'd be kicking to him. And so I don't think it's such a crazy idea. It could be absolutely devastating. But, Ben, you've got to get the ball to him. Yeah. There's no point. Yeah. You know, it just, uh, it's just frustrating uh, that this, this amazing weapon is just not utilised by Australia. Yeah. And, and to echo again those comments about are they being a bit submissive in the tackle, mm. we've said in the previous weeks as well that if there's anything that we thought Checker could do with this side, it was get their mindset yeah. right. I looked at Stephen Moore, I looked at Quade Cooper during and after that game and when they were spoken to, and they, they didn't look happy in the slightest. Now, when you lose, you're going you're gonna to feel happy. But I mean, even in the game, yeah. they didn't look like they were enjoying their footy. Now, maybe I'm drawing a bit of a long bow here, but I don't think that their mindset is right. And I think to stand up afterwards and say we played a great game or our best game, um, and we're now in a rebuilding phase. You've got to worry when that gets thrown out about a bit more. I'm really worried about it. Well, I think they thought they were making headway. This is what I think they're thinking, Ben. I think they, they made headway in the game, didn't finish, but they thought everything else was going right. So they've checked all the boxes, except for the very important one, which was mm. across the stripe and then kicking the conversion. So yeah. they, they, they obviously, CO was a great try. I'm actually really happy for CO. I think yeah. I've always been a big fan of him playing uh, more rugby for Australia and and, uh, you know, Kepu passing it off to him. So that was great skillful stuff. But I, I think um, the Australian forwards have to be wary about, you know, what they're actually doing. You know, yeah. to, are they doing all this, you know, all this or going forward? So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a difficult thing for them to go away from South Africa, go to London, meet Argentina in their final game of the rugby championship and just take the lessons out of that game into a positive performance against Argentina. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a big game for them. They're playing the Argies in London. It's, it's a replay of the game last year in the World Cup where they did go so well. And look, I hope they felt like they found a bit more in that game against the box, and I hope they felt they're going to take that step forward. Yeah. I just didn't see it as apparently as I would like to have. All right, uh, anything else out of that game? 
No, I think, uh, as I said, I saw I saw some good commentary from Hoyles and Horn, who were both saying that they, they didn't see the, the Wallabies hunting in that pack. Yeah. So I thought I thought we saw uh, a good sort of consensus around a lot of this. But I'm still starting to see this rebuilding stuff coming out. And yes, we're blooding a lot of new players, but surely we're not that far away from the World Cup team last year. Yeah, I, this is what, um, you know, I love the Australian team, but yes, you're right about the commentary. And, and it's been noted on the comments uh, we really appreciate all the praise that uh, we've received from you guys out there, but you know we believe we're just calling it how we see it. And I think the fair thing is that that you do Australia a disservice by just talking up Australia when Australia's not performing well. Mm. And there is great credit from that game at the weekend, but we have to be honest here. Australia could do a lot better, and I think there's a couple of things about selection and maybe the calmness that they're lacking out there and we can't be in a rebuilding program I mean we finished second to the All Blacks at the World Cup last year and somehow have gone backwards dramatically mm. How, why has that happened that's the question we're asking and it feels like a lot of it's upstairs I mean uh, there's some chat on our channels around you know how dominant this All Blacks team is are they going to get beaten and mm. some of that chat is around if someone's going to beat the All Blacks, it's going to—it's not going to be with out, you know, out finessing them and you know yeah. skill sets that's going to beat them. It's going to be with someone who can control their own ball, who can control their game, and who can dictate play through keeping themselves together. So when you hear talk about the Wallabies feeling anxious, when you see a game against the box where they they get into the twenty-two a couple of times and it breaks down, and then when you see them slip to number four in the world, which I think is kind of accurate, then you know there's a long road back. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that uh, slipping down to four. Uh, I think it's probably a fair rap for the Australian side, don't you think? Well, mate, I think I think it's about right, and I think the thing we've talked about, you know, is this the uh, most dominant All Blacks team of all time, and when will they be considered one of the great All Blacks team of all time? When you look at the fact that that was number three and number four in the world battling out on the weekend, it, it doesn't speak volumes about the standard at the top end of the tree at the moment. Yeah, it doesn't, you know. Like three and four, if they're playing like that, and uh, South Africa winning like that, it's, it's not that great, but... I think hang in there, South African fans. Uh, it, the, the wheel's turning there. There's a lot of talent. And I think next year, a much better side. And I think we'll go out for the next World Cup. Yeah, and I think the disappointing thing for them is Strauss is a titan for that yes. team. When, when he, he is goes, on the park, yeah. when he is on the park, they are a different side. Mm. And we are, that's the kind of attitude and, and leadership we're not seeing in the Wallaby side. I think Stephen Moore's lost his way a bit this year. But Strauss, when he's on the park, the decisions he makes, the work he does around the park... It's a shame he's pulling the pin for them because they're going to need to replace him and find a whole new way forward. Yeah, I'd be pleading with him. Strausy, don't go <laughs> uh, because he's doing such a great job and just so reliable. Yeah. You know, we talked about hookers and just how the best teams in the world have a great hooker who hits their target all the time but it's also dominant around the, around the ground uh, doing the work. So, and, and they're always exciting to watch. Uh, so Australia are losing that test match, South Africa winning. Uh, and the other test match in Argentina was the mighty All Blacks up against the Los Pumas. And you know, we expected the um, All Blacks to win, and they did. But uh, there were a few moments in the game where, I guess it was one of those games where, I think, as you said on uh, Twitter, Benny, that they may have just eased off the gas a bit. Yeah, look, I think um, uh, credit to Argentina, if I can use probably what, what a half-time interview phrase, credit to Argentina, <laughs> full-time. Uh, but the Argentina did what we've seen them do, and that is compete more strongly for you know a good 60 minutes in there. They were in the game. They got blown away in a very short space of time uh, from an AB's team that did do well. And, and less than take the foot off the gas, I think what we saw was we saw a, 
a good way that you know you could beat the All Blacks is get them below 15 men. They had, uh, they had, they had two blokes off the park in that second half. They were down to 14 men. Um, the Argies used their forward pack to good effect then. Uh, Issa, the number eight for Argentina, almost yeah. a player on the park with one very, very clear exception, had a massive game. Um, so really that game, I think, was, as we thought, the Argies would find something a bit more. But, mate, when it was 36-3, I thought, good Lord, they're about to get a complete touch-up. But they kept going. You know, they had that 10-minute period where they did get smashed around and a, and a few great tries from the All Blacks, including that one off the kickoff all the way back up just for, before for half time. That's right. Yeah. Um, but really, uh, the Argentinians, I think, got their heads up, got themselves stuck in. And what we saw was, what we aren't seeing for the wallet from the Wallabies is more of that contest at the breakdown, more of that belief in themselves. When they sniffed a weakness in the All Blacks' defence, players would be coming from everywhere. The support play yeah. was really good. They may not be an 80-minute team that could compete, but you can see signs that their heads are in a good space. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, it's just not easy. As I say, the, the All Blacks won't get the credit that they deserve but because they keep aiming up. So it's like, yeah, we've got six games to come, so you 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 should be better than our opposition. We'll just tick it off. But they still have to go through the motions. And I think, uh, you know, that, for me it summed it up. Their, their, their strike power, that restart just on half time when they, kick, they scored off the kickoff was just phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, Ben Smith involved again there. Yeah, had a great game. Particularly, Love him. You know, came into the centres late yeah. in the game and did, a, did a, had an excellent game. Now, I think we've already seen, and uh, interestingly, we didn't discuss this the last time we saw it, but the, the New Zealand media can be quite harsh on the All Blacks. And, of course, the All Black fan base can expect very high, a high bar for yes. the All Blacks, even right now. Um, and I think I've seen a bit of, you know, some news around saying, some things that didn't work well, some stuff to pick apart. McKenzie copped a bit of a touch-up for a, you know some some defensive structures at the, at the finish when he made his debut. But really, if I was Steve Hansen, I think that was a fantastic game for his team. He got the chance to, to try out a few new guys. He got the chance to, to, to you know really throw some new faces out there and get them moving around. He got the chance to, for his team to feel pressure, right? Mm. 20 minutes, 14 men down the end of the park, scrums five metres out, and the defensive line went really well, even a man down. Strangely, the, the NZ commentators keep sa kept saying it was a seven-man scrum, even though the man of the match by an absolute country mile, Anton Leonard-Brown, he was packing in at flanker yeah. as well as playing in the centres. Now, Anton Leonard-Brown, what a game. What a game. <laughs> We've talked about the centres being potentially an area of weak weakness for them. Uh, uh, Fekatoa not quite doing it. Crotty perhaps not playing as well. The player they were looking for clearly, Anton Leonard Brown. Yeah. So what, what did you think, Crotty? Anyway, Crotty, I think what we saw was. I thought he was all right. I thought he went very well. No. But what we saw was we saw an actual centre combination. Yeah. We saw two guys playing all together. We saw Leonard Brown running the right lines, popping great passes, backing up. He was just everywhere. I said, including the side of the scrum. Yeah. Outstanding game from a young man. To a Pelotu as well, so there's a couple of little diamonds there that they've said these guys are up to it, and when they go full strength back up against the box or in the next few games, they're going to be better for this game against Argentina. And Ben, you've been busy on the boards, the old bulletin boards, as we used to say yep. in the early days of the internet, and uh, to the viewer comments of the week. The strike viewer comment of the week, mate. Um, there's comments. a few comments. Yep. Yeah, there's yep. a few here we want to we want to give, give a shout out to, and don't forget. Tag a friend, post a comment. Uh, Zach Goy, uh, noting Argentina's improvement, which is, you know, which we've definitely talked about. Rob Martin and John Keenan both put some really involved discussion on there that I enjoyed reading through with some thoughts on some different parts of the game that we got through. 
Diggy Doe just wants a drunken masters episode of the show. <laughs> that sounds like when we go on the road and do oh, one at the pub. I'll, I'll try that. I've got half of one there. Um, uh, Tawarangi uh, brought up Radiki Samo as the last great Wallabies number eight, which was nice. Uh, <laughs> What's up, Ben? A good chat around good. that and that, that halfway try. Yeah. Um, Adam Thompson, I, I think, think he's him 48 and, now. He's, yeah, I think he was 48 when he was playing. Um, Luca Terra raised Argentina crawling. Now, that was a really interesting point. He raised on Facebook oh, right, yeah. that he saw Argentina crawling a lot. And that just made me think, well, maybe that's a nice little tactic. If you've got a team which dominates you at the breakdown, mm. tackles you, throws you down, and then goes to grab the ball, as soon as they let you go, start to crawl. Maybe either, they can push yeah. the refs. Either crawl <laughs> or do the old New South Wales country effort yeah. up the jumper. And then we had Murray John Maxwell McGinn on Facebook, who called you Dr. Evil and me Hugh Grant. <laughs> Uh, as a fan of uh, the Austin Powers series, I think it's great, but uh, look, can we just go with uh, Mr. Worldwide? <laughs> and uh, I think um, I think that, that'll do me. What do you reckon? Yeah, mate, and if Julia Roberts wants my numbers, you can have it. <laughs> um, and the last two comments to mention, uh, Shannon Davis, who got really involved on our Facebook page and posted some really interesting stuff, um, he called out, as I said at the start of the show, he particularly highlighted Dean Mum for what he called submissive running. And it was exactly the point I was going to make about the Wallabies pack, but I think I saw it from Rob Simmons, Adam Coleman, Dean Mum, a couple of the forwards, um, Scott Sewell at exception, he carried the ball really well. But that was that submissive running is definitely what I thought worried me about yeah. that Wallabies pack. So congrats to Shannon Davis. And the, the other one that I, I couldn't find who it was, so apologies, but someone I had a conversation with, we talked about combos, right? Yeah. And the combo pl- of combos of players that we're missing. Australia hasn't had good combos for a while. We saw Anton Leonard Brown coming with Crotty, and wow, that combo yeah. really worked. We haven't had that pairing where you know those names that go together, Eels and Giffen, uh, Her- Horbert, yeah. Herbert and Horan. You know, well, we've touched on these a few yeah. times, haven't we? And, yeah. and and it was a really good piece to say. You know, where are those combos where you get those players who together are more than individually. Yes, but there's also a, a, a passing of the torch. You said Eels and Giffen, mm. but it was Eels and uh, Rod McCall before that. Yep. You know what I mean? So the combinations do one thing. They take the thinking out of the game because when you have to think, and I know that sounds a bit probably Neanderthal, you've got to be able to just do things in- instinctively. But but is it also something that we're we're not seeing come through the Australian system enough? You yeah. know, you're seeing, you're seeing um, all blacks coming in who are playing a structure and a style of play where they usually fit in quite nicely. Yeah. And it's taking more time in the Springboks and in the, in the uh, Wallabies and to a less, much lesser extent Argentina for that to stand up and be found. Yeah, well, I think there's a counter-argument to that because Queensland, the Brumbies and New South Wales were all very different when they played. But within those combinations, even though they were sort of isolated a bit, as long as you've got the combinations playing in that bigger group, I know some of the coaches were actually happy to see um, a bit of a different flavour at national level of the teams coming in, but as long as you've got those, those separate cores, you're right to go. And that's what you need to see from the coach, yeah. right? The coach needs to bring those guys together. They need to get that structure before the season proper, international season proper is underway, and get that feeling and get them come together and make them understand how they're going to play together and then bring them into camp and make it work. Uh, hasn't worked so far this year. And I'd even go so far as to say that Having watched again that uh, the the Argies All Blacks game from the weekend, um, while the All Blacks did play that great ten or fifteen minutes and just kick right away, I think the Argies are probably tactically the smartest team we're seeing of the other the, the also Rans in the rugby right, championship right, right now. We saw them mixing it up. We saw um, we saw them a uh, couple of rolling malls, shifting the ball a bit wider, 
Um, we did see the All Blacks tactically respond to the way they got done previously. Yeah. That, that the line speed from the All Blacks in that first 20 minutes in particular get up there. And I think they got a little friendly help from the ref there a couple of times, but they got up there and they smashed the Argies and made them aware the way you got us last time isn't going to happen. But I saw the Argies adjust a little bit. Might have something to do with their sugar-free diet. There was a sort of story the other day about um, what they're doing in terms of uh, their dietitian and uh, all those sorts of things. And uh, haven't been in the back room before. Uh, management just brushed that stuff for, the, for starters. But um, but the players, uh, you know, that uh, they're they're really keen because they're paying attention to uh, what they put into their bodies, and uh, it, they've still got energy. The burn at the end. It's interesting. I remember actually being uh, in South Africa with you and the Waratahs mm. a few years back. And I walked in to, you know, to, the, to the, the dining room, whatever it was one day, and I was talking to big Ewan Link McKenzie. <laughs> and the, and the, the, ta- the players were just starting to graze, right? They're all yeah. big units. And the, pu- the tables were piled up with all this great food. It was massive, and yeah. they were all just hoeing in. And I said to Link, I said, mate, why aren't you on the line? He goes, oh, mate, I can't eat like them. I'll get even bigger. I'll just blow up. <laughs> he said, that these guys are racehorses. You've got to feed them up with all this stuff yeah. that gets their bodies ready, and then they work that energy out of them. Yeah. But their, their diet was phenomenal. They eat all the time. Uh, what Ewan didn't say is what he ate later on, just in the little, little <laughs> drawer, the mini bar in the hotel. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, I miss him actually. We've got to track him down, get him uh, on I the show. Him. I know where he is. So, uh, and he's, he's we'll town planning, I think, isn't he? He is. Yeah. But exciting news! Stay here until the end of the show about next week. Yeah. All right, Ben. So yeah, combinations. Um, yeah, good comments um, from our uh, great audience. Uh, it's been fantastic, and please. Uh, Share it out uh, as much as you can because we'll be going all the way through the uh, the European tours uh, into the spring tours and uh, and there will be shows over summer and we'll be back again for uh, Super Rugby next year. Why would we stop talking rugby, mate? Oh, there's plenty to talk about. <laughs> Actually, one more thing I did want to say about yeah. that All Blacks game. I said Owen Franks, mate, he is an angry, angry man. <laughs> He's getting a bit involved in a bit of the bit of the rough stuff. You know, I think and I think I've worked out what it is. I think he must have got wind that. Scott Scott Co <laughs> had broken his duck in uh, only in only in, you know many many tests yeah. back for Owen Franks. Yeah. Owen Franks has got that world record for no tries, and yeah. I think clearly it's giving him the 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 uh, it's getting stuck in the craw. Uh, I heard Scott Co has gone over and made he's, he's an angry man at the moment. Oh, yeah, very they better angry. slow him down. All right, so um, there'll be a few angry people if uh, the results don't go their way this time around. Yeah. Uh, for the next and final games in the rugby championships. For 2016. So Ben Kimber, the Wallabies are playing at Twickenham. Now, um, that is an interesting venue. They have played against each other there before. This is totally different though. And I think this is a massive, massive danger game for the Wallabies. They all are really, aren't they? Yeah. But this is a danger game for the Wallabies. Argentina are in good shape, right? Um, they dominated 70% of possession last time they played the Wallabies. And it's about that, I think, that hunger and that drive and that hunting like a pack that they're doing that the Wallabies aren't. Um, they're going to struggle if Issa is out, which it looked like he was. Yeah. Um, he was a huge part of their engine. But by the same token, the Wallabies' back row struggling too. Sean McMahon gave them punch in that first 40 minutes. He's gone. Lapetti Tamani, a different player, big, strong unit, struggles with the hands a little bit. Leroy Houston into the side, though, according yep. to Toto Kefu, Leroy Houston was struggling at NRC uh, level in Australia. So yeah. the pace of the game might be beyond him. So really, it's a bit of a mixed bag, and it, it'll be hard to pick. I don't think either team is going to be flying, but I think the Argies might feel like they can get a bit more 
uh, emotion into the game, thinking about how they got done in the World Cup, uh, thinking about finishing off the rugby championship on a, on a strong note. So a very, very much a danger game for the Wallabies. All right, and what about New Zealand? Can they just uh, finish it off? This is the, the classic game, the return match against South Africa. And uh, you've got to think, uh, you know, you just can't discount South Africa on home soil. You can't, uh, though it is, you know, back down at sea level. I think it's Durban. So it's not going to be up at altitude, which is where they like to play it, when they're, when, particularly when they want to get back to that old style of the kicking game. I think Mornay Stain, I, th- I saw some of the South African press uh, really waxing lyrical about his game. I wasn't that impressed, right? He played a good, solid number 10 Oh, there was a lot that... Um, he played well, but... They weren't too happy. Big, yeah. uh, um, big Cobus Visa wasn't yeah. that happy at all. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So, look... I, I, I respect his opinion. But I, I, and I think, you know, they'll need Strauss to be out there for 80 minutes if there to be any shot. But I just think with the, what, they, what we saw from the All Blacks and, you know, the, the lessons that, that Hanson were able to get in their head after the pressure Argentina put them under, I think Kano comes back in probably. Uh, they'll probably put Tupaluto back to the bench yeah. and start with Whitelock again. I think they're going to be in good shape and they're going to be, uh, I think, pushing South Africa very, very hard. All right. So how many wins would that make it in a row? All of them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if they keep going, I think they'll get basically through to uh, the early 20s. Yeah, they can do it this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so tips then, uh, points-wise, uh, Ben? I think New Zealand will probably do it by about 20 again. Um, I think they'll, you know, I think South Africa showed they can stick with them as they did for 60 minutes, but they're going to have to be super disciplined. And I think that New Zealand will find a bit more, so I think it'll be about 20. And, mate, I'm going to flip a coin in, uh, in mm. tw- at Twickenham. I really am. And I'm going to land on, I think maybe the Wallabies will do it, just because I think Issa is more important to their game than maybe uh, Sean McMahon was for the Wallabies. But yeah, that's yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm up in there on that one for sure. Big blow. Uh, I'll give it to the Wallabies by one point. Yep. They'll win by one. Yep. And uh, I think 12 points will be the difference, South Africa and New Zealand. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's tighter. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's bigger. It's just so hard. They're just so hard to judge. But as I say every single time, and I've been there on the sideline when South Africa's played so many times, you just can't discount them on home soil. They just yeah. they play so much better there. And uh, I think um, yeah, New Zealand will have to be on their guard. Yeah. You know, and they've got a pretty tough travel regime as well. So yeah. um, I think... Uh, it's going to be an interesting close to it, and then there's one more game across uh, the uh, for the Bledisloe, which is already decided. After that, it is, it is, and that's a big, big task. And this mm. this Argentina game is really important for the Wallabies. They'll want mm. to at least come in winning ways into their final Bledisloe game. I mean, if a rampant New Zealand off a complete clean sweep of the Rugby Championship is waiting for them, yeah. uh, you know, at the end of the road, that could be a very tough game. Yeah, and they'd love to be holding that trophy aloft just to rub it in officially. At the end of the uh, third Bledisloe, there's no doubt about that, and then the spring tours uh, begin as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, interesting close to the competition. Uh, keep the comments coming. Now, here's our exclusive news for the show next week. Uh, right in here between us, I don't know if we're going to fit him in, but he will fit. He's actually pretty slim nowadays. Is the great? Some say the greatest fly half that's ever played the game. Mark Eller will be in the studio. So, if you've got any questions for Mark. Uh, he's never backward in going forward. He will say what he thinks. Uh, he's already said to me, what do you want me to say? I said, just say it all. Tell it like it is. <laughs> Tell it like it is. So Mark Eller, special guest in the studio next week. We're recording on Monday afternoon. 
So uh, please tune in. And that show, if we get a chance, will probably bump out later that night on the Monday. So uh, there'll be lots to talk about. It might go a little bit longer because we've got Mark here. So we're really uh, looking forward to that. All right, mate. Good to see you again. Well, I'm going to have to dress up for next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tag a friend, post a comment, and please share the show out. We love the support and uh, keep it coming. So, um, so you're, you're, I'm Mr. Worldwide. I'm Hugh Grant. I don't and know. you're Hugh Grant. I don't know what. I don't know. <laughs> Hugh Grant. No, no, no. I'm Dr. Evil, apparently. Better, yeah, better yeah. Than, I'm very, more in front of Dr. Evil, man. Yeah, that's Dr. Evil. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Mr. Worldwide if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pitbull. Pitbull <laughs> and uh, whoever this is. I don't know. All right. Thanks for joining us for episode 222. The Richie Benny episode. Yeah, episode. Yeah, two, oh, two, two. It's never been the same. We're losing too many of those great commentators. Uh, enjoy your rugby this weekend, and we'll be back next week to go through it all with our special guest right here, Mark Eller. Until next week, enjoy your rugby.